Good morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I have a question for you. Have you ever run a marathon? I've never done it. A marathon is 26.2 miles. It's a a long distance race. Uh, I ran track and field way back in the day when I was uh, fifth, sixth grade. And uh, I used to like to do the sprints where you just all out. There's not a lot of um, thinking about it. It's just run as hard as you can, as fast as you can for these few seconds and, uh, and see how it goes. But when it comes to a long distance race, there's a lot of strategy involved and there's pacing involved. And if you just go all out, you're going to be finishing last because you're going to totally run out of gas. Well, what does that have to do with the Christian life? The Christian life is not a sprint. The Christian life is a marathon. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, these aren't people watching us, these aren't people that have gone to heaven and now they're just glued to earth to see what's going on. Uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 11 is the hall of the faithful, and uh, they are witnesses to us that it pays to serve Jesus, and it is worth it, and we walk by faith and not by sight. And so we have this great cloud of witnesses, this hall of the faithful that encourage us through their lives to keep going. He says, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. An encumbrance and a sin are different. Obviously, we have to get the sin out of our life, but every encumbrance, those are things that aren't necessarily uh, sinful things, but they're encumbering things. They're things that uh, are, are distracting us. So lay aside every distraction and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Christian life is an endurance race, and that's what makes it such a challenge for you and for me. You know, for, uh, for people that run marathons, they often talk about hitting the wall. You know, if you're not a, a seasoned uh, distance runner, uh, you, you've learned, a seasoned distance runner has learned to get through the, the wall experience. You know, hitting the wall normally happens for people running a marathon first, second, third time, whatever it is. Uh, at about the 18 to 20 mile mark where they just run out of gas. Their body just starts shutting down. It says, no mas, uh, like Roberto Duran. I don't want to do this anymore. You hit the wall, and then it's very hard to finish the race. Uh, Many people just start walking, and some people quit. Well, in the Christian life, it's easy to hit the wall. Uh, Because it is a long-distance race. Because you are going to have difficulties and problems. Uh, Everyone encounters that. You do, I do, uh, Paul did, everybody does. That's just part of the deal. And because the Christian life is an endurance race and a distance race, uh, we have to do what the Scripture says to do. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Now, did Jesus have it easy? No. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We run with endurance, hupomone, that, uh, that word means to keep going, to, uh, to um, let me see, I have it written down here, to stay under, to persevere, to bear trials, and enduring, and the enduring of affliction. Now, that's, that word is used, let us run with endurance, hupomone, the race that is set before us. And then it says about Jesus, he endured the cross, he stayed under, he persevered, he, bared, uh, he, he bore the trials of the cross. And then it says, uh, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. So three times that word hupomone is used, and, and that is really the, uh, the Christian life. You know, uh, to get the idea that the Christian life is all honey and no bees is just a, a lie. It's just a wrong way to view the Christian life. And here's the thing. When we start out in the Christian life, I think about my own Christian life. So I'm 17 years old, high school senior. I get saved January of 1980, my senior year in high school, and I start to grow. And then I go off to college to the University of Texas, which is uh, not the bastion of, of Christian conservatism by any stretch of the imagination. But God had me go there, and God got me in with a great church, with a great group of guys, and I began to grow. I was so on fire, so passionate about the Lord, just learning and growing. And uh, there was tons of fuel, uh, emotional fuel, to live the Christian life. And, you know, I wanted to uh, charge hell with a water pistol, that kind of thing. But, hey, that's not sustainable. Uh, Think about in marriage. You know, marriage, uh, as you're dating this this person that you start to fall for and you fall in love with and you have all these tremendous feelings and there's so much passion and then you get married and you're in that honeymoon phase and it's like, uh, man, my heart just beats faster every time she's around, every time he's around. I, I get sweaty palms just because I'm so excited. Well, that's a wonderful feeling, but that's not a sustainable feeling. You don't see people that have been married for 50 years uh, getting sweaty palms when their loved one comes into the room. I mean, it, it can't be like that. Why? Because marriage isn't a sprint. Marriage is an endurance experience. And the Christian life isn't a sprint. You don't just go on adrenaline and emotion. It, it's an endurance race. And because of that, it makes it a challenge. There are times in the Christian life when we hit the wall. When we say, hey, who signed me up for this? I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to walk or I want to get off the track or I just want to throw in the towel. There are times where we just feel like we want to quit. David said this, and David had so many ups and downs in his walk with the Lord. He hit the wall on many occasions. He said in Psalm 27, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Now, how did Jesus endure the cross? He set the joy before him. 
I mean, the cross is, is beyond anything our minds can fully comprehend. When the Lord Jesus went to the cross, not only was there going to be tremendous physical pain and tremendous emotional pain as people laughed and mocked and spit on him, uh, but the spiritual pain to, when he cried out, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It, it, taking on the sin of the whole world when God the Father had to turn his back on God the Son and, and fellowship that had existed from eternity past in the Trinity was broken as the Lord uh, became sin for us. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. How did he get through the cross? He set the joy before him. How do we get through the things that we're going through? We have to set the joy before us. Hey, somebody has once said, I love this, what are the five greatest uh, words in the Bible? The, the best phrase in the Bible or one of the best. And it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. And everything you go through and everything I go through, it's a test it's a test to say uh, to, to, to say to us, will you trust me? The Lord says that that's, we could uh, take the Bible and just boil it down to those two words, trust me, trust me, or a question from the Lord, will you trust me? My child, will you trust me? You're going through this deep, dark valley. You don't understand what's going on. I understand what's going on, God says, and will you trust me? Psalm 23, David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He, he, he. And then he says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Isn't that interesting? How in Psalm 23, he's speaking of God, he, he, he. And then when he talks about the difficulties, the valley of the shadow of death, he turns it from he to you. I don't fear. Why, Lord? Because you are with me. Not because he is with me, but because you are with me. It's personal. And the Lord is there. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus who is with us, who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When you hit the wall in the Christian life, when you go through those times where you just feel like throwing in the towel, like I can't do this anymore, you just remember, he's with me. And, and as Psalm 23 verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you go through it. You don't live in the valley of the shadow of death. You don't build a house in the valley of the shadow of death. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, where people really get messed up is when they go through a difficulty, uh, typically some tremendous loss, the loss of a loved one, or maybe the loss of, of their physical abilities. They, they have an accident and now they're in, uh, they have chronic back pain or they're in a wheelchair or something has happened uh, very significantly uh, to their ability to do things physically and they can, uh, they can get stuck in bitterness and uh, they, they get mad at God 
when Johnny Erickson Tata was on the program. She said, you know, she went through that for about two years after she broke her neck. She's mad at God. You, you can't live in bitterness. She, and she realized, I can't live my life like this. I can't live bitter at God. This is going to destroy me and uh, destroy every other relationship. And so we need to say, hey, I'm walking through this with the Lord. He will bring me to the other side, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That means you turn away from all other things and you put your eyes on Jesus. Remember, Peter was walking on the water and doing great as long as his eyes were on Jesus. When he took his eyes off Jesus and seeing the wind, he became afraid and began to sink. Let me ask you today, in your marathon race, where are your eyes? Are your eyes on the circumstances? Are your eyes on the difficulties? Are you believing the lie of the devil that it's never going to get better? Hey, put your eyes on Jesus and think about the joy that is to come for the child of God. The Apostle Paul said, Momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And uh, he says in Romans 8, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed to us and in us. So be encouraged this day. Hey, when we come back from the break, we're going to be talking to Jim Cimbala. Jim Cimbala is the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. I've had the privilege of being in his church on uh, three different occasions to experience the worship there in the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And uh, I admire Jim Cimbala, and I admire the fact that uh, he stays true to the Word of God. He is a man of prayer, and he is a man who holds fast to the Scripture. He's got a new book out called Fan the Flame, Let Jesus Renew Your Calling and Revive Your Church. And he's going to be with us for the next two segments when we come back from the break. And we're going to be talking to Jim, and he, uh, he has a book to encourage us. It's really written uh, not just to lay people, but to pastors to tell pastors, hey, I know it's tough, and I know COVID, the whole COVID situation was tough, but don't quit. Keep moving on with the Lord. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Keep praying, keep praising, keep preaching God's word, and God will bring you through every dark valley. So you don't want to go away. We'll be back in just a minute with Jim Cimbala. Oops, there's a piece I missed a little bit. Grandpa, why do we always pick up litter when we go hiking? Well, we're just making it nicer for people who come after us a little bit. It's called stewardship. My grandfather taught me that you should always leave a place better than you found it. That it's important to invest in the lives of your children and grandchildren, leaving them with a godly legacy they can build on. That's why I decided to set up a charitable gift annuity with the AFA Foundation. It's called stewardship. I know that my gift will support a ministry that honors the biblical principles I hold dear, and it's a way to invest in the future of our country. The AFA Foundation also arranged for me to have a steady fixed income, so I don't have to worry in the midst of changing times. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345. To sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians, 
and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. Hey, moms and dads, are you at your wit's end? Hi, this is Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I'm so grateful for the partnership we have with American Family Radio. We share a common goal to bring hope to hurting families through the life-changing medium of radio. Be sure to listen Saturday afternoons at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Find help and hope for your family with Parenting Today's Teens. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. You can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Welcome back to Real Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Hey, we've been talking this morning about uh, not quitting in the Christian life, even though it's tough and even though it can be hard and even though it's the endurance race Uh, We keep going, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Well, there's a new book out entitled Fan the Flame by Pastor Jim Cimbala, and this is a book to uh, renew your calling and revive your church, a book for pastors and for lay people to fight the good fight, to finish the course, and to keep the faith. And it is such a privilege to have Jim Cimbala on the program today, pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church for more than 50 years. Pastor Cimbala, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Thank you for having me, Pastor Jeff. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you, my friend. Okay, so, Jim, you won't remember this, but uh, you were in Dallas speaking at the Southern Baptist of Texas conference a few years ago, and uh, I loved your session. Uh, I love your, your boldness and your frankness, but you told me after the session when I went up to shake your hand, you said, come to New York and I'll buy you a cheesecake. Strawberry cheesecake, not even just cheesecake, strawberry cheesecake, <laughs> yeah. We got some good cheesecake uh, here in New York. A, a lot has changed since the pandemic came uh, uh, and, and hit us huge spikes here in New York. So it's a different Brooklyn than I grew up in, uh, but it's where God planted us and uh, where we're holding up the gospel of Jesus Christ so people can be saved. Well, I was reading uh, I was reading your great book, and uh, you said that you guys were 
getting ready to go or on a trip to Florida or you had just left for a trip to Florida when the pandemic hit. Uh, tell us about that. How did, how did all that change at the Brooklyn Tabernacle? Right. Um, on March 8th of 2020, Carol and I went down to uh, Florida for ostensibly a five-day uh, rest. Uh, my parent, late parents a long time ago made a little home down there possible for us. We rent an apartment near the church here in Brooklyn so that we don't have to face a commute. So we were looking forward to these days away, but the next day on March uh, 9th, the uh, pastors called and the board called and said, don't get on a plane, don't go anywhere. Churches shut down, office shut down, banks shut down, schools shut down. There was the, a huge spike of which there were later many others here in New York. So we didn't know where we were at. So we're there, thankfully, in a, in a home where we could uh, uh, see what would unfold. Well, while we were down there, it turned into 16 months. Five days turned into 16 months. I was able, through my friend Ken Witten at uh, Idaho Baptist Church, he gave me his videography team and his building every Tuesday to tape uh, Sunday messages and Tuesday meetings and, and speaking engagements uh, remote for conferences. And just, you know, just held, held on and started daily devotions because New Yorkers were, I mean, they were locked up, uh, Jeff. They were just uh, afraid uh, because of the terrible statistics that were mounting up here in terms of fatality. So while we were down there, I started uh, meeting with pastors of different denominations who would come to our house five at a time with their wives many times, uh, hearing their stories, seeing the discouragement, discouragement, palpable, you know, uh, bewilderment. What do you do? No matter what position they took, you know, the racialization of everything after the murder of George Floyd, the the politicization of of everything, uh, pro pro vaccine, no vaccine, uh, mask, no masks, and they were being bombarded. And when they reopened down in Florida, way before we did, a lot of the folks weren't there. <clears throat> Social media was like a barbecue pit where everybody was roasting everybody else, uh, even though they were brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's why 42% of pastors polled just a few months ago said they would leave the ministry tomorrow if they could just get a job that would have benefits to cover their family. So it's a very critical moment right now, and I wrote this book, Burden, for what I saw going on down there and elsewhere, talking with friends around the country, I wrote a book like, no, I mean, we can't burn out. We can't quit. We're, we're not working for AT&T. We're working for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So uh, we got to hear that well done, my good and faithful servant. But my main thrust of the book is uh, we, we better re reboot here and look if we're doing God's work God's way, because if we're building our own church and not the church of Christ, if we're preaching something other than the gospel, if we're not depending on the power of prayer and more specifically the power of the Holy Spirit, things are going to be really uh, uh, difficult because we're building not according to the original plan given to us in the New Testament. Amen. Well, what I've appreciated about, about you so much, uh, Pastor Simla, over the years, you, you don't uh, get detoured with fads. 
So many pastors chase after fads, church growth fads and things like that. Uh, I have seen you and I've been at the Brooklyn Tabernacle on three different occasions. I mean, it's prayer, it's praise, it's preaching the word. And that is the the hub from my ex, uh, viewpoint. Uh, that's the, the center of what, what everything you do. And God blesses that. Can you explain a little bit about uh, the, the allure of fads and how so many guys go down that road and that's a dead end road? It is absolutely. And that's what causes the burnout. Isn't it amazing that the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 goes through the, and in that area of that, of the letter, all the stuff he went through, and in trouble in the city, trouble in the country, beat up, thrown in jail, persecuted by everybody, and yet after that long list of trials and tribulations, he never mentions once in any of his writings, burnout or wanting to quit. Maybe he was, maybe he was, and here we are, you know, we go through a, and I don't want to belittle it, we go through a a COVID time, everybody's ready to jump out of a window. Maybe he had a source of grace and strength that we're not tapping into. And when a golfer starts playing poorly, I'm not a golfer, but I I watch and I learn from it. When, When the best golfers start not playing well, They go to a a swing coach, and he starts with the basics. How are you holding the club? How do you stand and address the ball? What are you talking about? I've won $18 million playing golf. No, we start with the basics because if the basics are wrong, it doesn't matter what you add to it. It's not going to do – you're not going to do well. You're not going to be accurate. So the church growth movement, unfortunately, comes out and spins out – these simple kind of Mickey Mouse formulas every 18 months or two years. People go down it and, oh, this is the answer, only to find out it isn't the answer. By the way, it should be added, nothing is the answer but God. When someone says something works and they're not depending on God to work, uh, you're in, you lost your way. So they try these fads and they don't work, so they try a new fad, and you know, you end up with skinny jeans and a fog machine, but it's not changing the culture, it's not changing people, folks are not getting baptized, you can't have a prayer meeting, no one would come, Uh, the people live in the pew, basically like people who don't come to church, same lifestyles, and of course that's discouraging, Jeff. I mean, that makes you want to quit, because you started out sincere, humble, Uh, God, I want you to use me, but we get seduced by the numbers game. What do I do to get the people to just attend? And forget what pleases God. I got to please the folks or they might not come, and that would be the end of the world if someone didn't come back. And I saw that, well, I've seen that for years, but I especially see it revealed in, in the COVID because now we're seeing that doesn't build the Church of Christ. Getting people in the building for a one-hour Protestant Mass uh, on Sunday is not why Jesus died on a cross. He died for something much deeper than that, and he sent the Holy Spirit to equip us to be an aggressive, uh, fervent church that will spread the good news and bear fruit so that uh, the Father would be glorified. Amen. You know, uh, Jim, as I was reading the book, uh, one of the things that really caught my attention on the uh, the chapter of the unabridged Bible, where you were preaching somewhere, you didn't say where, but it was at a prayer conference, and you were talking about King Asa, and you were f- starting to feel the resistance in the crowd. Um, 
because of what you are preaching. Can you share that a, a little bit about that and how, how you navigated that? Yeah, and, it, 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 you know, if it was some deep uh, uh, truth that, that, you know, it's hard to understand, I, you know, I could get it. I was just speaking, it was a huge prayer conference of all things, uh, a couple thousand people there, if I remember correctly. And, and, and King Asa had a prophetic word given to him when he came back from a battle, and the prophet said, the Lord is with you when you're with him. But if you turn your back on him, uh, you're not going to enjoy his, his favor and blessing, even though you're Jewish, even though you're circumcised, even though you're a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I was just bringing out, God, you have to be with God, and, and, and then God will be with you. Draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. So I just brought out, you know, we can't have things in our lives practicing sin, racial prejudice, a carnality, a divisive spirit, immorality, name anything. You can't practice that unrepentantly and then say, oh, okay, God, now just come and bless my family and me and everything. So I felt this strange silence and resistance. I thought maybe I'm explaining it wrong. I said, no, listen, I'm just saying here, you got to be straight with God. If, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, the Bible says. So now it was stronger. Well, then I just felt like God helped me. And I said, listen, if you, felt, if you think I came all the way from New York to tell you what you want to hear, that's wrong. I, I'm telling you in love. Uh, you, you can't cheat on God. Uh, you know, the, the American system is just, it all worked out because God loves me. What I'm doing feels good. God loves me, wants me to feel good. Thus, the thing must be okay. And so uh, I, I, I did the best I could. And while I'm speaking, as God is my witness, while I'm trying to explain, an um, older man stands up in the back and yells out in the meeting. I mean, the drama of it was amazing. Don't stop. Don't stop. Tell it. Tell it like it is. We need to hear that. Well, then I felt the Lord's encouraging me not to pound people. Pounding people <laughs> doesn't help anyone. But right. you got to tell them the truth in love, the truth as it is in Jesus. So um, uh, it, it was quite a meeting. The next day on the way to the airport, I ran into a guy in a, in a store. I stopped to buy a jersey for my grandson. And this guy walked by me. I'm in a store in a far a city that I don't go to much. And he goes, oh, Jim Simbler, I stopped. He said, I was there last night. And uh, I go, oh, good. He said, oh, that was amazing. That was really good. Thank you for coming. I said, thank you. He said, you know, my mother was there. And I think you got through to her. And I said, really? He said, she said, yeah. After the meeting, she's thinking about, She's living with her boyfriend. They're not married. But she's thinking of possibly moving out. She's praying about it. And I grabbed him by his shoulders, and I said, listen, sir, you tell your mother, don't pray about anything. Just get out. So it, it revealed to me that in the numbers game and the shallow church growth uh, techniques, we're producing a, a hybrid kind of Christianity that I don't think any of the apostles would recognize where you can live any way you want, but then go to church on Sunday, and the pastor serves as life coach who just re reinforces your lifestyle. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about the book of Jude where, uh, you know, people creep in, they turn the grace of God into licentiousness, 
and deny the master. Um, Jim, that's what I've loved about you over the years is you do speak the truth in love. You don't pound people, but you don't back down on the truth. Now, how, how does that work in your ministry setting? Because uh, how do you deal with people that are coming to the church, but they're living with their boyfriend, girlfriend, or uh, adopting a homosexual lifestyle or something like that? How, how do you deal with that in, in your setting? Well, the way Christian pastors hopefully have dealt with it since uh, the, the early church, which is to preach the good news of Jesus, that Jesus is a savior from sin. Uh, he shall save his people from their sins. So then you explain what sin is, because obviously you can't appreciate the savior unless you know what he's saving you from. So then as you outline uh, what the Bible calls is disobedience to God, breaking his law, and, and then Jesus adds many other things in the New Testament. So this is what dooms us. The, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. And I don't focus on one sin over another. So, folks, this is what Jesus wants to save you from. And, and you'll experience peace and joy in this life and like you've never experienced. You won't go down all these rabbit trails that lead nowhere and remember, there's a way that seems right to a person, but the end is destruction. So God loves you so much. He doesn't want that for you. So come to him, confess your sin, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, but you can't cling to your sin and the Savior at the same time. That, that's just impossible. How, how can I hold on to that which nailed him to the cross and have Jesus and my sin? But that's what's developed, unfortunately. You know what, Jeff, the truth is? To be an effective pastor, preacher, teacher today, you have to be very brave. God has to give you boldness and love because it's so easy to cave into what people want to hear. And as I bring out in my book, Fan the Flame, many times now the audience is determining the, the preaching material and the subject matter rather than the Word of God. We're trying to find out what people want to hear so that give it to them so they'll come back next week. That's not a good way to run a railroad. <laughs> I just love you, Jim. I, I love your boldness. I love your passion. Uh, I love that you don't back down. And uh, that's just how I'm wired uh, to preach the truth in love and to uh, to be bold. So uh, we're talking to Pastor Jim Simbola, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church for over 50 years. We're talking about his new book, Fan the Flame. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to deal with discouragement, how Pastor Simbola has dealt with discouragement in his own life and ministry. So you don't want to miss that. You're listening to Real Truth for Today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. Don't go away. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. I was an inmate in prison, recently was released, and I wanted to call and tell you guys how much of an impact you've made in my life. American Family Radio's share is October 11th, 12th, and 13th. Some of the most memorable moments of share are when listeners tell us how God has used AFR to change their lives. Call now to share your story. Phone 877-876-8893. That's 877 876 
888-8893. The following is not an actor, but a real life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. They were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hi, I'm Jan Harper. If you're a pastor's wife, come be encouraged and renewed as you share your challenges and stresses unique to pastors and their wives. The AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbowl Retreat is returning October 18th through the 20th to Linden Valley Conference Center in Linden, Tennessee. The retreat is three days and two nights of relaxation and encouragement. Our host will be Pastor Bert Harper, Director of Marriage, Family, and Pastoral Ministries, and co-host of Exploring the Word on AFR, and his wife, Jan. And our special speakers will be Will and Miki Addison of Airing the Addisons on AFR. Lodging, meals, and materials are all included in your registration. But hurry, space is limited. Register today by calling 662-844-5036, extension 297, or at repairingthefoundations.net. The AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbowl Retreat. We'd love to see you there. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We're talking to Pastor Jim Simbola, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, and his new book, Fan the Flame, Let Jesus Renew Your Calling and Revive Your Church. So, Pastor Simbola, let me ask you this, because for those that don't know your story, they can look at the Brooklyn Tabernacle and all the, the great things that have transpired there and just say, well, you know, uh, Jim Simbola has just had it easy and he doesn't know the struggles that I have. Uh, can you tell about those early days when you were on Flatbush Avenue and had 20 people and thinking about quitting yourself? Yes. Um, the first place we started was Atlantic Avenue. That You mentioned Flatbush Avenue. That was a theater that we eventually grew into. But we started with less than 20 people uh, in a rundown building. It was so depressing. I didn't want to go there, and I was the pastor, which is not a good sign usually. Uh, my wife is not musically trained. She's since won six Grammy Awards with her uh, choir, uh, but can't read or write music. And I... Uh, was didn't go to seminary, unfortunately, or Bible school. I was a basketball player, high school and college, business world, and then through a side door, door God brought me into the ministry. So it was hard. Um, no crack yet down there, but lots of heroin, and we're still only uh, eight blocks from where we began in this uh, massive theater that we now uh, meet in. And uh, uh, my sermons so were so bad at the, at the beginning that uh, people were converting to other religions while I was <laughs> preaching. And, and, and that's usually not a good sign when you see little red dots on their forehead when you get done. 
So, uh, um, so it was struggle, lots of discouragement. Twice I wanted to, to ju- I couldn't do it. I couldn't face the discouragement. Felt inadequate. Still battle with that today. Um, and uh, but God began to bless because we got desperate for the Lord. We got desperate, like you couldn't have placed us here for nothing. It must be something. And all these great verses and, 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 and New Testament history, and then the history of the Christian church, um, which I became a student of. And I have a vast library because I've, the books have been my teachers, and I still am um, studying and digging. So one thing led to another, but that's the battle we all face is discouragement. And it still can come, even though you're dealing with not hundreds of dollars, but, you know, multiplied millions of dollars, needs, problems. Now we have, uh, you know, fentanyl and we've got homelessness here that you can't believe, mental illness, uh, uh, have to have a police officer in the lobby of the church. Uh, on Tuesdays and two services on Sunday. So discouragement is a huge thing, and pastors have to remember there is a cure to discouragement, and that's by meeting with the Lord every day. Paul said, outwardly we're falling apart, I'm paraphrasing, but inwardly we are renewed daily. I want to say that to anyone listening, Christian or leader or whatever. Your whole life is one day. Yesterday, you can't change one thing. You can learn from it. You can repent if you made mistakes. You can thank God for blessings, but you can't change one thing. Tomorrow, you don't know if you'll have it. Don't talk about tomorrow. Don't say manana this, manana that. You don't know if you'll see tomorrow. So your whole life is really what? One day. Jesus said, taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So we got to live getting daily grace, daily strength, daily wisdom got to meet with God. And um, recent polling that I just saw out of a Christian organization in Arizona said that something like 40% of the pastors told do not have a daily time alone with the Lord. You know, when Jesus called the disciples in, in Mark 3, he called them that they might be with him, that they might, he might send them out to preach and they would have authority over evil spirits. The first calling for all of us, Christian or pastor, is to be with him. That's it, first. You can't do anything unless you're first with him, waiting, receiving, open Bible, open heart. And then you'll find out that discouragement can be overcome because God gives fresh strength every day. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, Pastor Simmel, let me ask you this. How how, uh, has the COVID, post-COVID, you guys are meeting again, obviously. How has that changed things in the church? Well, let me just start this way. How has it changed things in the city? I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, and uh, when we came back and opened in July 4th uh, of last year, 2021, uh, I mean, it's a different borough. Remember, Brooklyn is one of the boroughs of New York City, but it's the fourth largest city in America if it was a city on its own. Um, so, uh, first of all, the, the homelessness, mental illness, crime, have a crazy no-bail rule here so that someone just got arrested because they shoved a police officer who was trying to take them in. They had already been arrested 101 times for shoplifting. 
but there's no no bail and there's no spending a night in jail. So they just go out and do it the next day. A guy held up a bank uh, last year with a gun, didn't discharge it, was told come back in 95 days, like he's sure really going to come back. Yeah. And then held up another bank the next day. I mean, you know, try, try, try again. If at first you don't succeed, that was his, his philosophy. So it's a different borough. And lots of people here in New York City are still much more leery of, of COVID and of the vaccine, uh, especially among African-American males, something like uh, 28% have been vaccinated, uh, 19 through 44 years old. So you have to respect everybody's sensitivities, but there are more masks here than you'll see in any other part of the country. So people are afraid to go at night. Then there's the subways. There's a lot of shove-offs now from the platforms into uh, before oncoming trains, a lot of deranged people, a lot of gang activity. No, it's, it's become a lot like Dodge City here, but you can't curse the darkness. You gotta light a, light a candle. I mean, what, what are we supposed to do? Jesus said, by the way, that when he comes back, it will be like in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. He also said, as it was in the days of Noah. Right. So I don't want to get in a prophecy fight with anybody, but, you know, I'm not exactly, you know, surprised that things are getting more corrupt everywhere because the Lord said it would be that way, but he will have a remnant. He will have a vibrant church, and we want to be part of that. Well, how how do you guys navigate those waters when you gather to worship? I remember Tuesday prayer meeting was overflowing and the services on Sunday overflowing. So what does that look like? Well, now we're back since 4th of July. So we have services at 9 and 12 in this huge auditorium. And now the numbers are back to just about pre-COVID, I would say. Tuesday night prayer meeting where we would have maybe 12 or 1,300 people on Tuesday night. Uh, it's not that, but many hundreds are coming. And we just had a great prayer meeting this week. Um, so, but, but a lot of people aren't going out at night. Hey, I'm not going on the subway. It's, it's, it's a whole different lay of the land. And what you can't do is cry or moan. What's in front of you, you do the best you can by, by God's grace and you leave the rest to the Lord. Amen. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate your honesty, too, Jim, on that. Um, fun question. So you're a basketball player. I played basketball in high school. I wasn't good enough to play in college. Um, how long after college, how long did you keep playing hoops? Oh, for quite a while. Um, uh, uh, yeah, in the business world, I was playing. And, and then even in the ministry... I would be playing, and then our church team went in a league, and I was still trying to shake and bake some people at the top of the key, <laughs> like I used to in college. And then as the years have gone by, uh, I got into tennis and a sport called paddleball here in New York. And now my right shoulder, I have like uh, torn, um, uh, whatever they call that, and, and it, it, I lose mobility in it somewhat, but I can still, you know, do certain activities, but I loved basketball. And you know what? I'm happy I played sports. A couple things happened in sports. First of all, growing up in Brooklyn and living in the playground, my dad was an alcoholic uh, for 22 years, so my house was a hellhole. 
uh, which I didn't want to be in most times. So I was in the park and playground till uh, the sun went down. And and so racially, uh, I, I you know I thankfully I didn't grow up in a, in a prejudiced house. There's more prejudice, by the way, in churches than there is on a basketball court. Because when I was growing up, it, the only question was, can you play? If you play, you're my man. I don't care what color you are. Why would I care what color you are? If you can play, you know that's how it is in the park. You know, like in a crack house. Uh, no, nobody's looking at what color you are. Uh, at 9-11, we lost four people in 9-11, more than any church in New York. The firemen, they didn't run up in that firehouse and go, oh, I wonder what race these people are. That can I, maybe I can get a Latino and pull them out. No, it's just every life is precious. So I learned that. And then I also learned um, not only acceptance and teamwork, but I learned that uh, after a bad loss, you get up and you pick yourself up and there's another game. You know that from playing in high school. I played in the NCAA tournament, and uh, you, lo- you lose a game. Hey, the world's not over. Life's not over. Get up. There's another game. Then you have a great win. You can't get too high because you got another game coming up. That's the way it is uh, working with the Lord, especially for the Lord and especially for pastors. You know, on Monday, sometimes the pastors want to quit. And then there's a great meeting and a great time, and you're elated. So you got to avoid getting high or low because no matter what is going on, Jesus is still on the throne, and the best is yet to come. Amen. Well, I've, I've shared with our church, you know, churches go through seasons. Christians go through seasons. It's not always harvest time. Sometimes it's, it's pruning time, and pruning time's not fun, but it's, it's very important. And uh, so, Pastor Simbler, what would you say to a, a discouraged pastor out there that, that maybe he is going through a pruning time and, and a dark night of the soul? How do, you, how do you keep going when it seems like nothing's working and I don't understand, God, why is this so difficult? Well, I say two things to that. Number one, uh, it's always too soon to quit. So you can't quit. You, you didn't call yourself into the ministry. God called you. So you can't resign because he appointed you. This is not something like you get hired by a company. This is the Lord. You've got to do what he says because if you leave God's will, his will is to be in the ministry, and you leave God's will, where will that end? If you think you can leave God's will but still get enough grace every day not to go crazy and, 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 and fall away from the faith or, or backslide, that, that doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. There's a lot of sad stories out there. So you've got to stay in God's will. And, and, and he will help you, and he loves us, and he's going to help us. The other side is this. A day came early on when, you know, we had three people in the Tuesday night meeting and, and, and 18 on Sunday, and I was pacing alone in the auditorium on a Tuesday. And I got desperate. I was desperate. I thank God he put that desperation. And I heard myself pray out loud, God's listening to me now. I'm not going to lie while I'm talking to you. I said, God, if you don't change me or change this church so that we can bear fruit and and make a difference in people's lives, then take my life. Mm. I know you can take care of Carol, and I had one daughter, Chrissy, then. I know you can take care of them, but for me to just live and take up space, and be defeated week after week. No, that can't be. I got desperate. And you know, Paul says, I, I travail like a mother giving birth till Christ be formed in you. 
In the Old Testament, you hear, when Zion travails, she'll bring forth. There, there's something about getting desperate for God. My late friend Dave Wilkerson, who founded Team Challenge and wrote The Cross and the Switchblade, he said to me once, and it was true, Do you ever read ch- you, I know you read church history, Jim. Did you ever notice that God really doesn't have breakthroughs with people until they get crazy, until they get desperate? Desperate. You know, uh, you know athletes get desperate. Business people get desperate, desperate to make money. So we can't be passive. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If we're content with the same old, same old, Jeff, we're going to get the same old, same old. But if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. So not only should we not quit and meet God daily and, and let us let him give us fresh direction, fresh courage, fresh strength. But we've we got to say, God, stir me so that I just think of in the last 100, 150 years, all the pastors who just, it became a job. Mm-hmm. They were just running out the clock looking for retirement. I don't want to do that. No one should want to do that. No. Uh, people are either going to go to heaven or hell. Let's make a difference in their lives. Amen. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pastor Jim Simbla, and the book is called Fan the Flame. Let Jesus Renew Your Calling and Revive Your Church. I would encourage every pastor to get a copy of this and every layperson to to read it, to be encouraged in the Lord. Hey, Jesus is coming soon. May we be found faithful. Well, Pastor Jim, thank you so much for being my guest today. You are a blessing, my friend. And tell your wife I said hello, and uh, may God continue to use you and, and work through you. Well, thanks for listening today to to the program, Real Truth for Today. I'll be with you again tomorrow, and uh, may God bless you as you shine for Christ and share what great things the Lord has done for you. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.